Hey, good morning. So glad you're here today. We are we are in week four of this series, Questions uh, Jesus Asked, and I've explained a little bit that Jesus was a great question asker, that he asked incredible questions. And I started to think about, we've all been in like Q&A sessions where there's a something and at the end, has anybody got any questions? And, and like the first two questions of Q&A were like good. And then after that, they were terrible and you were stuck in something like that. I don't know if you've ever been that, and there was just a lot of dumb questions. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus asked questions that were really like pointed and they were, they were uh, transforming questions that when the person heard it they started to think about their life and that's kind of what this series is and it's kind of gone a bunch of different ways a bunch of different questions and today the question is are you still sleeping 11 o'clock service are you still sleeping Uh, so let's see what we're working with here um how many of you just a chance for you to raise your hand participate uh you don't have to but um the sermon goes longer when you don't so how many of you get seven to eight hours of sleep every night. That's what they recommend. How many of you don't get less? You get less. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Great. I got my work cut out for me. Okay. Great. I see that. All right. How many of you take a nap on Sunday? Take a nap on Sunday. Take a nap. All right. How many of you don't take naps at all? Okay. Whatever. All right. Great. How many of you can get up without an alarm clock? And we hate you. We hate you people. Yeah, we hate you. you you're, you're the hated ones. Because that's kind of like a that's kind of like a badge. I, I get up in the morning. I don't need an alarm clock. I've been doing this since I was three. <laughs> get up at 5 a.m. Anyway, we, it's just kind of a, this badge. All right, how about this? How many of you hit snooze in the morning? These are my people. All right, great. These are my people. Yes. All right. Here's the last one. How many of you have ever fallen asleep in church? You're hurting me. You're hurting me, guys. You're hurting me bad. Hurt me, hurt me. I saw some hands up here, man. I, I thought I loved y'all, but I'm not sure. So anyway, when I think about going to sleep uh, at church, uh, this wasn't actually a church service, but I went to a funeral years ago, and it was at the old Caldwell and Cowan, and it was in the wintertime, and we had just uh, eaten El Charo, and Scott, Pastor Scott, and I went to this funeral together, and it wasn't somebody from the church. It was somebody from the church, uh, their relative. So if it was somebody in the church, this would have never happened. Just trust me. So we're there in this funeral, and there's three speakers. Three speakers. You ever been to a funeral like that? Because here's the thing you need to know. Every speaker is going to go longer than the one before them. They are. You give them five minutes, the first guy's going to take 20. Second guy's going to take 30, and the third guy, he's going to wrap it up, and you're going to be there a long time. Well, that was the gist of this funeral. And we're sitting there, Scott and I are sitting there, and we're in the back, and they're preaching, and I made it through the first guy. Well, the second guy, I started dozing off, y'all. I did. I started, I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where you're dozing off, like you're, 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 and you're looking around and people are looking at you. You, you know, you do, we do it. We, we just like, oh man, what's going on? Anyway, and so I'm, I'm dozing off and I'm thinking, well, I got to tighten up here. I got to tighten up. Get, and so I'm trying to pay attention. And, and then it happens again. Look, I, I mean, I, I think I got a little drool this time. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm like, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I'm like, I wonder why Scott's not waking me up. I turn, Scott is sacked out, y'all. <laughs> I'm like, boom. I said, what's wrong with you? Come on. It's ridiculous. You're a preacher. So that's the message today, talking about sleep. And the kind of the 
the thing going on in our culture right now is that people, uh, studies have shown that people are sleep deprived. And this has, affects them at work, affects them driving, affects them, you know, doing all kinds of things. And you might be physically sleep deprived. But that's not what Jesus is asking in this question. The message today is that your biggest issue is not that you need more sleep, but that you've never been awakened spiritually. Or you have been awakened, but you've kind of daydreaming or you're kind of dozing. And that's the background of the question. So we're going to read the scripture. You're going to hear the story. And then I'm going to make three quick points followed by five pretty quick points. All right, here we go. All right. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. Now, Jesus knows he's about to go to the cross. He knows um, everything is about to happen. And it is, he's not excited about it, as you could imagine. You, none of us would be. That he, and it's not just that he's going to face physical torture. It's that he's going to take our sins, just as uh, Ali sang, that man, just the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin, that Jesus would become our sin, that God would turn his back on Jesus because he'd carry our sin uh, for, for a moment. And this would, this would go on. And so that's what's going on here. And it says that Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. And then he took Peter, James, and John with him. And they became deeply, he became deeply troubled and distressed. And he told him, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So Jesus asked these guys, hey, I'm going through a hard time. I'm in a bad place. I want you to be with me. He went on a little farther. One of, one of the gospel accounts says he went about a stone's throw away, not a rock's throw away, a stone's throw away. Maybe from here to that door, maybe to the back. I have no idea, but it wasn't very far. And he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. It was going to be way more than one hour. He's going to be on a cross all day. It's going to be the worst day in history. The most gruesome death recorded ever that if it were put on TV, that, that there would be a ban on that program. That's how bad it would be. And that's what Jesus Christ did for you and I. Went to the cross for us. Paid the penalty for our sins. And Jesus knew it was coming. And he cried out, Abba, Father. Abba is another word uh, for Daddy, Father. Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Look, I'm going to do what you want, not what I. It's not about me. Then he returned and found disciples, the disciples asleep. And here's the question. He says to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Now, whether Jesus' away was one hour or not, but it sounds like it was an hour. I don't know. He says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. And when he returned... He found them, again, he found them sleeping, which I think is kind of weird. You would think that after the first time that Peter, James, and John would say, all right, we're going to make a pact. We're going to keep each other awake. You start dozing off. I'll wake you. But that's not what happened. They all fell asleep again. For they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners up let's be going look my betrayer is here mark 14 32 through 42 so three quick points here first is this 
Jesus invites us to be with him. Now, in this story, Jesus invites Peter, James, and John. He actually invites all his uh, apostles, his, his followers, his guys, his 12, to come with him, to be with him. And I want you to hear this, that Jesus invites you to that same thing. That if you, a lot of times in our lives, we, you know, we get upset if we don't get invited to something. We do get upset. I didn't get invited. Sometimes it's not a bad thing, like a painting party. Nobody really wants to get invited to that. I'm in a painting party. I get invited. Good. Okay, great. But don't miss this. This is the greatest invitation of your life. Jesus Christ is inviting you. Listen to me. I remember the day I placed my faith in Christ. It was the greatest day of my life. Because Jesus Christ had invited me. He wanted me. In spite of my sins, in spite of my past, in spite of who I was in that moment, in spite of my insecurities. So don't miss this. This same invitation is for you, that Jesus has invited you to be with him, to follow him, to be loved by him, for your life to change. That that invitation has been the invitation of your life. That's why things keep happening. You keep having, these things keep happening. Boom, 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 boom. And you look back and it's because Jesus has been, he's been coming after you because he loves you. And he's inviting you, come on, follow me. The second thing is this, is that sleep's often the enemy. You know what's funny about sleep is that sleep is often a metaphor for death. It's often a metaphor for death. As a matter of fact, if you go to a funeral and a lot of times people don't know what to say when they see the person in the casket, do you know what they say? It looks like he's asleep. We don't know what to say. It looks like he's asleep. We try to, we try to lessen the blow. It looks like he's asleep. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. So I'm saying it's, it's a metaphor for death. And so many times, listen to that, that we, we, we are just simply asleep. On a Sunday morning, on a given Sunday morning, it always amazes me that you could have a person, let's just say you have a person sitting right here in the front row, or maybe they're sitting right there in the back row, they're in the back row, and then they are, they're hanging on to every word that's being preached. They're hanging on, and they're thinking to themselves, God is talking to me. This message has been written to me. This guy, this guy has been following me. Or it's the songs, the songs. We sing these songs, and, and they're, they're, we're singing these songs, and they're like, man, this song is, is moving me. I, I feel God's presence, that he is speaking to me. Or we take communion together. We take communion, and we do this thing with this blood and the bread and the juice and everything, and it's this moving moment where they're thinking, man, this is weird, but, the, but there's something going on that I can't explain that God is working in me. That's happening in somebody's life every week. But then on the other extreme, the other extreme is that there's somebody here today and, and they're here every week and they're, the same things are happening. The same songs are being sung. The same message is being preached. The same communion. And you know what they're thinking? Can't wait to get out of here. Can't wait for this to be over. This is boring. This is going on all the time. Two extremes. What's the difference? One person is spiritually asleep. They've been spiritually dulled. They've been blinded. And too many times, sleep is the enemy. Which leads me to the third. Is that we need to wake up. That you and I just simply need to be awakened. We need to have moments in our lives where we are, that we have been awakened, that we need to wake up. And I wonder if today is that day. What I love, what stood out to me about this story more than anything is the end when Jesus says, hey, you're asleep, go ahead and rest. And then he says, no, 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 no. He says, up. As in, wake up. It's time for us to be going up. And so if you're here today, I say, the Lord's saying this to you. He says this to me. 
it's time for us to wake up. So I'm going to give you five ways to wake up, five ways to wake up today. And just going to go through these. Just when I thought about waking up or waking up to what God wants to do in our life or literally waking up to what's going on in our lives, these five things came to mind. I could have come up with 20, but you didn't want to be here for that. So I got five. The first is this. Start trusting Jesus. So many times in our lives, we don't know what to do. You ever been there? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with this problem. I don't know what to do with this conflict. I don't know what to do with this dilemma. I don't know what to do with my sin. I don't know what to do with this sin. I don't know what to do with my addiction. I don't know what to do with my past. I don't know what to do with my present. I don't know what to do with my future. I don't, I don't know what to do. And I want to give you an answer what to do. You trust Jesus Christ. That's what you do. Trust. Hear me. I'm asking for you to trust, but hear me today. You trust Jesus Christ. You trust the words that I'm going to show you on the screen that Jesus says, man, whatever is going on in your life, I'm the answer. Whatever you're facing, I'm the one you turn to because I'm the one who died. You said I talked about, I'm the one who died, but I rose from the dead. I'm the only one who's done that. I'm the one. If you don't know who to believe in, believe in the guy who died, but rose from the dead. That's the one you place your faith in. And you, so, first of all, if you want to, I, I think about the times in my life where I have been fully awake is when I was following Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the times of my life where I've been fully awake, where, where I was, felt like a, that I had awakened from something in my life, whether it was sin or a problem or a dilemma, that I felt like was overwhelming me, coming over, that man, when I placed my faith in Christ, when I trusted him and said, you do what you're going to do, and I'm going to trust you and follow you, and whatever he told me, that's what I did. That's when I felt fully awake. And that's what Jesus says in the scripture right here, that you trust me. He says, while he was still speaking to her, her is this woman we did in our first round of questions Jesus asked, this woman who had this physical condition. That's the woman Jesus is talking to. It says, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus because Jesus was going to go to Jairus' house to heal his daughter who was sick. He says, the leader of the synagogue. He says, they came to him and said, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher anymore. They said, you don't... You don't need Jesus anymore. It's way too big for him. And Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. Listen, he says the same thing to you today. Don't believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe in me. Believe in Jesus Christ. Trust me. Follow me. I am the answer to whatever you're going through. The second thing is this. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Now, you may think I get paid to say this, and I do. I was kidding. But I believe it. I read my Bible way before I became a pastor. When I got saved, the first thing I did, I started reading the scriptures. So I read, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I was blown away by who Jesus Christ was. And I'm telling you that you need to be reading God's word because so many things are going to be thrown at you. So many things that says you need to do this, you need to do that. But you need to read your Bible. And I was thinking about this and I was telling the guys in our men's ministry, I lead a men's group on Wednesday, every other Wednesday night called Better Man. Some guys in there are trying to be better men. And I was telling the guys in the Better Man group that when Mitchell was wrestling, both my boys wrestled, Micah was better. Micah was always better, and Mitchell was not. 
Mitchell was, if you've seen, if you've ever seen pictures of Mitchell in, in middle school, he was chubby. He was, he was not, he was not a great wrestler. He's, uh, wrestling punishes a chubby kid. I'm telling you, it's just bad. But when Mitchell decided he wanted to wrestle and he was committing to it, it was at the end of his uh, sophomore year. But in order to be a good wrestler, you got to have a good drill partner. But nobody wanted to drill with Mitchell because he wasn't good. And so the good kids don't want to drill with you because it doesn't make them better. You need somebody better than you to get you better. And so what they did, his coaches did this thing. Once they realized that Mitchell was serious about wrestling, they did this thing where they brought in a college wrestler. And all summer between Mitchell's after Mitchell's sophomore year, before his junior year, they brought in a college wrestler, and every day they uh, drilled. They drilled together. And this guy beat the tar out of Mitchell. I'm telling you, they beat him to death. I mean, I'm telling you, not really, but it, they, I tell you, there were days where he was bloodied, day, days he was bruised, days that he was wringing in sweat, felt like he, he felt like, man, he had just been through the ringer, and that guy didn't pull any punches. Like, he was so hard on Mitchell. And he was a great drill partner, and Mitchell got better. Now, let me share something with you. I know you don't want to get bloodied, and I don't know you don't want to get bruised, and I know you probably don't even want to be sweaty. But I'm going to ask you this question. Do you want to get better? Because if you want to get better, God's got a drill partner for you. It's called the Word of God. And you read it every day, and you read it, and you listen to what it says. And look at what the Scripture says about the Scripture. It says all scripture is inspired by God. These aren't made up stories. These aren't just some, some nice stories that we kind of go, no, no, these stories have authority. The word inspired means God breathed them, that they've been passed down. The fact that we have the scriptures today is miraculous. The Bible, if you look at it historically, is a, is a miracle. But more than historically, for our lives and practically, it is the life breathing, awakening thing that we need to have in our lives every day. And he says that all scripture is breathed by God, inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. He says the Bible tells us what's wrong and it teaches us what's right. And it does this and all. If you read it and you think, man, okay, I get it now. That's why I've been struggling here. Or you get this and go, man, I'm doing good. I'm following this. This is working. This principle is working. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever YouTube something? You ever YouTube something? Why did you do that? Because you didn't know what to do. You didn't know what to do. You didn't know. So you thought, you know what, this thing, I can't figure this thing out. Or you got something that's broke. Or you want to learn how to do something. And so you YouTube it and you watch it and you think to yourself, I can do that. That's what the scriptures do. You read it, it's like God's YouTube. You're reading it, and you're, you're looking at it, and you go, oh, okay, that's how that works. Oh, okay, I need to stop doing that because that's where I'm making a mistake here. That's what God's Word does to you. And here's what I'm telling you. You're never going to be fully awake until you read God's Word. Now, here's the truth. It's not about perfection. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and, uh, and you're going to be really disappointed. I didn't read yesterday. And let me tell you who else didn't read yesterday. Leslie didn't. And I got on her really bad. You know what I'm saying? Like I told her, I said, look, I'm your pastor. This isn't right. But most of the time, I read the Bible. I try to read it every day. It's not about perfection. But it's about having a drill partner, and it's about getting better. Which is number three. 
pray about everything. Pray about everything. Stephanie talked about just us praying about people in some dire situations, people needing jobs, people, the strike ending, the affecting people in our church. But man, we've been praying. Like we haven't just sitting around worrying and worrying and worrying, which you're going to see in the scripture. We've been praying, asking God, you move, you work, we're trusting you. And I'm telling you, you're never more fully alive than when God answers one of your prayers. I'm telling you. That when you pray something and you see him work, you're like, my goodness, this thing works. Now, years ago, I was driving to Knoxville, Tennessee. I was driving to Johnson City. I lived in Johnson City. It was late at night. I had a meeting in Atlanta. I was driving back. A storm was coming. I was trying to beat a storm, not like a thunderstorm, a snowstorm. I was trying to beat this, this snowstorm. And I got to Knoxville, and I hit a patch of black ice, and I was sliding off the road. And I was sliding off the road, and I wasn't just sliding off the road. I was sliding into a sign. The car was going sideways. Instead of going around, it was going sideways. It wasn't flipped. It was going like that, really. But I was sliding off the road, and I said, God, help me. I did. I remember saying, God, help me, because I, I saw I thought, this is going to be bad. And I'm sliding off the road, and this is the crazy thing that happened. The, the sign had poles right here and had an embankment down there, and I was going to slide right into one of the poles. And right at the last second, instead of the car sliding, it turned like that, and I went through the poles, in between them, went down the embankment, went down the embankment. And I went down the embankment, and I thought one thing when I was going down, floored. And I floored it and came out of there like a crazy man. And when I came out, there was a trucker. There was a trucker. And he went like this. He saw the whole thing happening. I was like, yes, yes, yes. But here's what I want to tell you. In that moment, guess what I was not? I wasn't sleepy anymore. <laughs> Listen to me. The same thing is true about prayer. When you pray something and God answers, and look, it may be a small thing to you. It may be a miraculous thing, whatever. But when you see him move in your life, you're never more fully awake. You're like, oh, my gosh. God listens to me. He's answered my prayers. He cares about me. Look at the scripture here. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And then you experience God's peace. Now, this isn't peace where I'm, 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 I'm God's peace. No, it's just peace like, man, I'm calm, but I'm awake. I'm, I've got this peace, this supernatural peace, but I am fully awake to this moment that God is working in my life. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So we pray about everything. Number four, confess your sins. Confess your sins. In her memoir, Lit, Mary Carr talks about the time where her alcoholism had gotten so bad that she checks herself into or she's placed in a mental health unit, rehab unit she calls a mental Marriott. And in this place, she has no time where she can be alone because she's suicidal except for when she goes to the bathroom. It's the only time she's ever by herself. And she says one night she wakes up and she goes into the bathroom and closes the door and just starts yelling at God. Yelling at him, how dare you do this to me? This is why I don't believe in you. This is why I don't like you. And she just starts to rant because I'm in here. And then she says something supernatural happens. She stops yelling she goes over to the toilet. The toilet, much like ones that she spent a lot of time throwing up in, 
for years because she drank too much. She gets on her knees. She starts to pray. She confesses her sins. God, I'm sorry. And she says she starts to think for herself. I'm doing something I can't believe I'm doing. I'm praying to a God I'm not even sure I believe in. And she starts to confess her sins. And she uses this word in her memoirs. She says, I was awakened in that moment. Sin has the ability to dull us, y'all. Listen to me. It does me. It dulls my heart. It warps my mind. It puts me to sleep. But when you and I get on our knees before loving God, and we humble ourselves, and we simply have done this so many times. You want to know what's good about me? Here's what's good about me. Not that I follow Jesus good. You know what's good about me? Is I confess good. Because I don't get it right. I've told you, like, well, I'm not, I don't get it right all the time. I make mistakes. But, man, I'll hit my knees, and I say, Lord, I'm sorry. And, look, there's been times where I, I've missed some, some moments. And I'm like, Lord, I can't believe this has gone on the way it is. And I've confessed Lord, I am sorry, but let me share something with you. In those moments, I'm fully awake. I walk away from those counters fully awake of what God is doing in my life because I've received his forgiveness and know he loves me in spite of my sins. So, confess your sins. Confess your sins to him. Don't hide anymore. Find someone you can trust. Confess your sins to them. You've got to have people in your life that you trust. Now, look at the scripture right here. He says, if we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. That's what sin does. You're just fooling yourself. You claim it. It's like I, I told the first service. It's like how many have ever had a car where the check engine light came on? You ever had that? Well, if the car didn't break down, you probably didn't get it fixed. You know what I'm saying? You just thought, oh, it's no big deal. That's kind of the way sin is. The check engine light, something's wrong, but we just keep going and going and kind of like it's no big deal, acting like nobody knows when everybody sees the check engine light in our life. And so you've got to come to this place where we're not claiming that we don't have any sin because we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, listen to these words, man, hear me. He's faithful. And he's just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our wickedness. That if you confess your sins, you will be forgiven. No matter what you've done, no matter, no matter how many times you've done it, no matter if it's gone on one time, 10 times, 10 years, that if you mean business with Jesus Christ and you confess your sins, then you will be forgiven and you will be fully alive, which leads me to the last one, the fifth one. Commit to the church. Now, this is going to seem a little bit self-serving that, you know, I want you to commit to the church. I'm the pastor here. I want something from you. I don't want anything from you. I say this weekly almost. I want something for you. That I used to think that the people who were most miserable were the ones who didn't know Jesus Christ. Maybe miserable is not the best word, but maybe it is. But you know who I think is the most miserable or the most, maybe miserable? The life that lacks the most meaning are those who just come to church, but they don't commit to it. They're just dating the church. We're just dating. We're just dating the church. I'm not going to commit to it. Kind of got one foot in, one foot out. Might be in, might be out. I got, you know, I got, I'm just telling you, this is what I, this is what I believe. And I'm going to show you the scripture of the early church, the first church, very first church. 
I want you to ask yourself, are these people asleep or are they awake? Are these people, are these people in drudgery? Oh, we got to do this. Or man, are they, are they alive? Look at the scripture here. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, sharing of meals, and prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had, and they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Does it seem like there's any drudgery there? And all the while praising God, they're praising God, and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. That when you commit to the church, when you give your life to something bigger than yourself, you're never going to be more fully awake, more fully alive, just like they were. So, what do you do with a message like this? I want you to grab your connect cards for a second. The last several weeks, really, you know, for the, I don't know, maybe the last six or eight weeks, I've been using the connect card more for the decision time, and we've gotten great results from it. You turning in things that you're going to do, us praying, meeting with you, trying to figure out some next steps. And so I'm going to do that here today. The first one, if you want to be fully awake, you trust Jesus Christ. There's a spot on there that says, speak with someone about following Jesus. We would love to do this with you. I want you to hear me though today. I've never regretted following Jesus Christ. I've always thought it was a decision I got right. I'd love to share that with you. I'd love to tell you why I believe that. I'd love to talk to you about God's plan for your life, His forgiving you, His recreating you into the person that He made you to be. And so we'd love to talk to you. Just a conversation. Maybe that's your next step. The second one is this. Read your Bible. Maybe today you're going to make a commitment. I'm going to read God's Word. When I get this, I'm going to send you a reading plan for the, that you can read for the next five days. When you get it, we'll send it to you the next five days. Read God's Word. You can do it five days in a row. You can do whatever. You can do five out of seven. But you're going to read a very, very simple reading plan for you to read. Prayer, number three. Maybe you're going to commit yourself to pray. I'm going to start praying. About, I'm quit worrying about stuff. I'm going to start. So the next time that you start to think about this, start to worry about something, you're going to commit to prayer. And you're going to, you're going to write that on the card. We're going to pray for you. Our staff's going to pray for you. Pray for you to start having this prayer. Maybe you're going to make a prayer journal and write down prayers in your life and see where God answers, whatever. But we're going to encourage you in this. Number four, confess. That you're going to start confessing. Confessing your sins. You're going to, you're going to confess to God. You're going to confess to somebody else, and we're just simply going to pray for you on that journey that you would find the right person that you can talk to, that you will start confessing these sins and to be fully awakened. And then number five, you commit to the church that you're going to commit. We've got a, we've got a starting point class coming up in November. We would love to talk to you about Eastridge. If Eastridge isn't going to be your church, we'll help you find one. We don't believe we're the only church in town. We want to partner with our brother, brothers and sisters. But if you want to be part of Eastridge, we want you to be part. Or maybe maybe your next step in committing to the church is you're going to start serving or you're going to start going on some of the GO initiatives we have or whatever it is that you're going to start using your gifts and talents for the Lord. We want to help you with that. And so I'm asking you today, write one of those down. Take the next step today. 
See where the Lord leads you. Where's he leading you? Where's he taking you? Because I believe this. You start putting these in place, you're going to be fully alive. That you're going to be fully alive and you're going to see God work in your life like you never have. But hear me down this. Hear me. You can walk out of here and do nothing. And guess what? Nothing changes. Or you can walk out of here and you can do something. And you can watch God work in your life. And I'm going to pray for you to do that. Father, I thank you that you're always working in our lives. That, Lord, we, we get distracted. Lord, sometimes we, we are sleepy and about to fall asleep. Or we got areas in our lives that, man, we're just dozing off on. But you're always working in our lives, trying to wake us up. So, Lord, I pray for us today. I pray for us to take a next step to follow you, next step to read your word, next step to pray, next step to confess, a next step to, to just commit to your church, Lord, whatever that is, that you will lead us in the next step. And Lord, we will start following you and start watching you work in our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.